Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Talks and Tastings Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast, the show that shows you what's behind the collar. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Vicker. Welcome to the show. Does it make you a little sad hearing that? Yeah, last time, but you know, I'll, I'll be a listener, so... That's that's good too. I'll hear you guys keep going. Yeah, Vicar, why don't you just take a? By the way, we have done zero prep because Vicar's been busy. I've been busy because Vicar's moving in a matter of a couple of days. In fact, if you're listening to this, he's probably might be on the road already, or at least you know, uh, the morning that this comes out is your your last day here in Hampton. Yep. So. uh Stretch out here on the therapy couch, Vicar. <laughs> okay. What's going through your mind right now? Oh, just... What's a list, list, listener in on the whirlwind that is the year of Vicarage? Just what a great year. I can't even begin to unpack it yet with, you know, all the experiences, getting to know people and, you know, seeing their homes even and all the things learning here at the church and... It's just hard to process right now. It just takes time. But it was I know it was great. I know it was big. In in a way, does it kind of feel like like uh well it's been it's gone really fast, but at the same time, it feels like a couple a couple of years or few years right. of stuff you've got to do and be part of. Right. And there's actually things to take with, right? Every Bible study, every sermon, I still have copies of that and it's work that could produce fruit in the future as well. Nothing will be wasted. But it is exhausting. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Especially, uh, um, you know, saying goodbye to people. You Which know? is basically a two-week process. Mm-hmm. Kind of making the rounds. and Yeah. You know, it, it's actually kind of almost emotionally draining just to know, and I probably won't see this person until the kingdom of heaven. And you go through that like, I, a dozens of times. I think I've even said that a few times. Like, well, if, if I don't see you again here, we'll always have eternity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, you, you meet people, you know, that you know have some tough times and you could wish you could be there for them too. You know? Right. Absolutely. And, and there will be a few people I just want to stay in touch with that way as a friend. Just how, mm-hmm. how are you doing? No, you know, there's a few. And and like I've said many times, I like I want to make your fourth year seminary as miserable as possible because you want to go back out and do a podcast. <laughs> to do a podcast. <laughs> to be a pastor, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah we should have a, a podcast empire with just old vicars. You should. That could would probably be do that. That would be a neat series like for a month have how many how many how many shows would it take to have you know three at a time right six yeah six that, and that's a half if. more than a month of material right then. yeah it's been a a good year and it's it's kind of strange for me it's like a, there's a year cycle to it too you know hopefully it was helpful for you too oh yeah gave you some flexibility as well well it's all it's it's always good for me it's always good for me to to uh, have a fresh voice every year, 
and like I said, having someone around who wants nothing more than to be a pastor mm-hmm. is always invigorating, invigorating for me, you know, going next door to the gay, day, daycare for year after year after year, teaching the Bible verses, you know, after about 15 years, it's kind of like, okay, here we go, you know, but then, you know, this is new for the vicar. Yep. And he's learning a lot and he's enjoying it. So think about that, like going over, like for 20 years doing that. It's it's fun when you're leading that and you go in a different order. And I'm wondering, maybe this is the order he went through him a few years ago. <laughs> right. And <laughs> yeah, it this that was wonderful today, going to see all those kids smiling and they all wanted high fives on the way out. And, you know, I'll, I'll miss that too. Hey, I want to start with a top 12 list. Okay. All right. This will right. be good for the listener. Uh, the top 12 Bible passages that three-year-olds can say because they were taught. Okay. All right? Enough nonsense. It's time for Bullhagen's Top 12. Do you think you need 12? Well, are we going to go back and forth? You do one, I do one? Sure, sure. So, parent, you got a small kid. These are Bible passages that you can teach them. We can't, you can't see the actions. If you want to see the actions, uh, um, uh, text the show, call the show, feedback at players. Uh, .org. So, oh, and by the way, what do you have there? I've got uh, Arnold Palmer, half and half, iced tea lemonade. I've got uh, uh, Splendrift. we got to get this fast, too, because Vicar's got things to do before he is a Vicar Emeritus. So, Vicar Emeritus. I like that. I'm going to use that when I get back. <laughs> In the first day of class, when you have all sorts of fourth years with you, you sit, sit in back class and say, hey, Vicar, and watch everyone turn around. <laughs> Anyways, so these are Bible verses, that, which is interesting because I think from teaching, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. From teaching three-year-olds Bible passages, you probably know more Bible passages by heart than you did before you came. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> And it's a good practice, you know. All right. So uh, I'll let you go first. Number 12. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. All right. Going with a a more recent one. Yes. Low-hanging fruit. (laughs) Number 11. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Just as scripture says, anyone who puts their trust in the Lord will never be put to shame. That's a long one, but they know it. Yep. What I like about that one is it combines the fact that it addresses just the personal faith. Well, this is what I believe. This is what I believe. Mm-hmm. But it's your, your, your heart that you believe, and then it's with your mouth that you confess. So not only as a Christian does it matter what's in your heart, it also what matters your confession, what you publicly confess as well. And it makes a distinction between the two. Faith in action. Right. So for example, if you're if so how often has someone said, Well, I go to this church and it says these very things that I don't agree with, they'll say, I don't believe it, but yet it it is their confession. Confession. 
That's mm-hmm. an incongruity that won't last very long. Either your the confession has to change or what you believe has to change. That also then being said, when you go to a church with a strong confession, you might struggle with what you confess, but what happens over time? Your personal belief starts to fall in line with what the churches confess. Mm-hmm. And so so if you know it's scriptural and you know that, like, for example, a confirmation, this is a faith that I confess and I hold to the Lutheran Church because it teaches and preaches the Word of God, you know then that will lead you and guide you away, even in ways that you don't really think about or you think things that your self-protection of errors that could come your way that you know, okay, it's not just what I personally believe, it's also uh, what I confess. And this comes up in the Lord's Supper. Right, right. A lot. Of, someone comes to Lord's Supper. I'm Baptist. You, you could ask them, "Do you believe that you receive the body and blood of forgiveness for sins?" They'll say, "Yeah, sure, sounds reasonable." At that moment, that personal belief might—they might even believe that that's what they believe, but it's not their confession. Mm-hmm. They haven't made it their public confession. Number ten. Anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. All right, comment on that, Vicar. Building a foundation in God's Word. I knew you'd pick that as a former structural engineer. Not structural engineer, (laughs) but (laughs) lots of foundations. Okay. Yeah, the most important part of a structure. Number nine. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. By the way, you notice the listener, the cadence, right? Right. You might think that cadence makes it weird. The cadence really helps the kids learn it, especially when they're three and four year old. They get in the they get in kind of the the, the, the cadence of it. Mm-hmm. Kind of, I know it's kind of sing songy a little bit, but that's it. Really helps them. Yeah, I'll do the next one. Is that what is it? Number nine. Let's see. I I started right. Right. All right. So uh, I'll let you go first. So you should be on even odd number. So number nine. Number nine. Number eight. If God is for us, who could be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. That's a good example of cadence. How, by the way, that I've taught that continuing on. Yeah? How God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also... With him, graciously give us all things. It is God who justifies. Who is... Because one year I actually went through Mm -hmm. an extended period of time with that as well. Number seven. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. little flex there. Mm -hmm. For the salvation of everyone who believes. By the way, did you notice... What are you noticing themes in the Bible verses I'm teaching them? We're teaching them. You taught them. God's word. Right? Right? Salvation Mm -hmm. focused. 
justification in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the shepherding ones led by God, you know, just like, I'll, I'll do the next one with another example. Number six. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. All right. Another word, centered yep. one, right? Leading the way, yep. Number five. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I find it harder to do them without the hand motions now. <laughs> By the way, when you're, this will be all come in handy when you have to go to ordinations and like, oh no, I have to think of a, <laughs> a verse. <laughs> Number four. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Just like Vickers. <laughs> That's right. Out with the old, in with the new. Number three. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What does that one mean? I'm <laughs> just kidding. Well, we got, you know, we're teaching them. And, and uh, the thing is, we don't expect the kids to remember, like, to know all what they mean. But you've you've noticed that uh, the kids, when they learn it when they're three and four, they remember it when they're six and seven and eight. Yeah. Talk about that, like on a snow day or something when there's more kids in the daycare. Yeah, because normally we teach this throughout the year to three and four-year-olds, and then if there's a snow day and they have kids who were there three years ago, they can say all these verses with us. Mm-hmm. Still remember them. And so you don't expect them to really understand everything. However, I think as they grow... Those verbal verses can come in handy as they remember them and maybe think about them. Do you find yourself giving these ones away as confirmation verses? Not necessarily. Okay. Number two. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. All right. That's one of the first ones we learn. Right, and my three-year-old loves that one. Oh, it's a, a reminder to the children that Jesus welcomes them. Yep. Uh, and by the way, when you talk about dealing with kids that age, one thing that I think is important for them also is uh, for them to have a certain understanding about pastors. Mm-hmm. You know, that's an age where they, they, they learn and they have attitudes about people. And uh, they learn because a lot of the kids aren't necessarily there or a part of a church, they learn that that uh, a pastor, uh, particularly the one across the, the parking lot, mm-hmm. you know, is uh, they're there to help, they're there to teach. And talk about Jesus. To talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they're nothing to be afraid of, you know. So so that brings us to number... Who's on whose turn? Two. You're number two. Two. All right. Number two. I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. All right. So teaching the children, what does that teach them? Repentance. Mm -hmm. And uh, what a joy it is 
to to repent. That even heaven rejoices mm-hmm. at our repenting. So yeah. n- number one. Number one. Who do I go with? One of the older ones or one of the newer ones? Hey, it's your number one, right. man. It's a new one. And number one. For we are his worksmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right. That's 12. And there's more that we didn't get to. Yeah. So which ones are the outside of the top 12 list looking in? Um, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die... Yet shall he live. And in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I think that's getting pretty close to all of them. Yeah, I still like leading them kind of in order to the kids because it helps me remember. Sure. What's I next. See, I don't remember the order all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so if you have a three-year-old in your home, I guarantee you, they can learn those in a matter of months. You teach them one, and when you teach them one, uh, they know it. And then when you go to teach the second one, you review the first one, and then they learn the second one. And so every time you want them to, every time, every time you go through them, uh, you repeat the others so it's fresh in their memory. Once they have it, you don't want them to forget it, and you just keep going until, and they love to do it. They actually enjoy memorizing. They're excited to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, we actually have them. We say it when they learn it. We invite them to come up one by one because they want to be help helpers, and they all say it, and then you say it. And so you say it, and then they repeat it after you. And uh, they love to do that. That's how they learn it. So there you go. There's a you're taking you on vicarage a little bit, the listener. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, in, it's quite a sight to behold there. And there are some uh, uh, Hispanic, I never know what the political correct term is anymore, Hispanic children where I can tell some of the first sentences they learn in English Mm -hmm. is the Bible. Yeah. Oh, we forgot one. Jesus said, I am the way, the the truth, truth, and the life. By the way, I one year I actually because we had a lot of Hispanic kids, mm-hmm. I actually taught them the Spanish of that. Jesus dice, yo soy el camino y la verdad y la vida. Hmm. There you go. Vida, not vida. Vita would be the Latin. Vida would be the Spanish. I don't remember the rest of it. Oh well. They like that one because you make a funny face and lift an eyebrow <laughs> and they fall on the ground laughing. So what was that like saying goodbye to them today? Bittersweet. You know, I'm going to miss all those smiling faces. I just hope to see more like that somewhere else. There you go. Yeah. But they they always bring joy to your day when you see them in the morning like that. And, and what's cool is, have you ever done this where you see them at the grocery store? And they say, Vicar, Vicar. And their parents are like, who's that guy? Why are you talking to that guy? <laughs> right. At the fair, I saw some right. too. And then you, you say the verse with them. And sometimes they'll say, oh, yeah, you say your verses all the time at home. Or they say, wow, you know that? Yeah. 
Anyways, uh, so what are you preaching on? The uh, Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verses 1 through 9. Um, this is one, one of Jesus feeding multitudes where he feeds the 4,000. All so, right. Do you want me to read it? Go ahead. We don't have a lot of content today. <laughs> In those days, when again a crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd and sit down on the, to, to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having, having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets in full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. There's, there's a lot there, isn't there? Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting when you look at that. Um, well, one is they followed Jesus for three days. That's a long time. Right. They followed him without a plan of getting home, <laughs> you know, hungry. I mean, they knew they didn't have anything to eat. Probably used up everything they brought with them. Yeah, you know, they truly lived the whole man does not live by bread alone. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and Jesus had compassion, you know. I mean, which in the Greek word, gut wrenching emotion, right? Mm-hmm. S- you what feel is it, it in splog, your guts. Splog, splog something. Splog in my. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Yep. Still got it. <laughs> you know what the Old Testament reading is? Because there's a connection here, right? Because I was as you as you're reading, I think I was thinking it could could almost be manna from heaven, in desolate yeah. place. Could be, you know, um, God providing for their needs. The difference is um, they appreciated it a little more. <laughs> uh, but I but I also know that it is a creation of man, right? There's that, but well, in that you have God providing for all of man's physical needs. But then you have this mention of the tree of life as well and the tree of knowledge and good of e- good and evil. So you also have this creation of law and gospel and um, not just man's physical needs, but spiritual needs, right? Mm-hmm. eternal life. So you take that and combine it with how God was physically present in the garden. You know, the Bible says he walked with Adam in the cool of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, you have these same attributes in Jesus, creating just like God created Adam from the dust in the ground. You have Jesus creating from something, from a mm-hmm. f- little bit of bread and multiplying it, a little bit of fish, mm-hmm. multiplying it. Yeah, you have the primacy of the word even o- above and beyond mm-hmm. the physical need too. Right. And this one he had already taken care of their spiritual needs though with his living word. And his real right. presence. 
Kind of like the, the paralyzed man, right? Yep. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. And the only reason I actually healed him was so that he could show he had authority to forgive sins. The greater need. Right. So, and I, you have that here too. I mean, above and beyond the, the physical needs that they had was was the word of God that they, they listened to. One thing I thought of too, why did he care so much for their journey home? And so what I'm bringing up is a lot of times, well, they would they would have fainted, he said, right? They would have been weak, uh, hungry, thirsty, tired. And that's when our spiritual needs are not met too, or when we start to um, suffer spiritually. Because when we are weak, then we sin and we fail and we try to solve our own problems. We forget that God is in control. And it is actually also when you're weak that maybe you're actually more receptive to his word, um, which is why we're allowed to have certain crosses in our life. Right. Because uh, um, most people who are seeking what Jesus was saying were not those who everything was going well for. The hungry, the needy, the sinners, the blind, the lepers. A lot of people try to transpose this feeding multitudes over the 5,000 that is what in Matthew. Mm-hmm. But this one is in the Decapolis region. These are Gentile crowds. He's off in distant lands already showing his disciples how to, how to teach all nations. And uh, the other one was probably more Hebrew Jews that mm-hmm. they were teaching. People already catechized in Scripture. And I like, I, I'm bringing up to this that you can't really hear these words without picturing Jesus at the Last Supper um, where he takes the bread. Let's see, where is that? And he directed the crowd to sit down, and he took the seven loaves. And having given thanks, he broke them and gave it to his disciples to set before the people. I mean, that sounds like right. you're getting into something like the Lord's Supper. It may not be, but... But but the fact that he uses his disciples to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And And this is something they would have seen him give thanks and how to do that. Mm-hmm. But the crowd might not have seen all that. There's some things I think that only the disciples would see in all this. Mm-hmm. But he's teaching them. And it's interesting. Uh, uh, I think with uh, the other feeding, there became a struggle because because uh, they they saw this later on. I guess it would be in John, wouldn't it? Where uh, it almost became a thing. Like, who is this guy feeding? Right. Yeah, and then Where, they try to make him a bread king. Right. Right. And uh here they're just uh anxious to to hear the word of God. And uh you know, if you think you've had a you know a long day, imagine 3 days. <laughs> right? It's like we had 3 days of VBS, we had more than 3 days of the fair. Mm-hmm. You kind of know what those marathon days can take out of you. And then, you know, what you do with that part, they ate and they were satisfied. And there was leftovers. Mm-hmm. So a good chance to talk about how God's provision is always greater than the world's provision. And he satisfies our greater need 
like forgiving the sins, right, of the blind mm-hmm. man. And if someone says, you going back to the Lord's Supper, well, if uh, how, you know, the they're formed, how can Jesus be in heaven, ascend into heaven, and still be with you bodily in the Lord's Supper? Well, it sounds like he could do that. He's the same <laughs> God who created all things. Right. And, I mean, he did it here with, with bread and fish. Certainly he can do it in the Lord's Supper as well as he blesses it with his word. So, well, last time to go through a text with us. Yeah. See, I, I, maybe I'm the sentimental one. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I am looking forward to hearing how the, you know it goes with the next vicar. Nine, 19.0. Yeah. I can't wait to hear you guys grill him with questions the first <laughs> few weeks. Maybe he won't be on. Maybe he'll... Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he's part of a, a, a different podcast. <laughs> Could be. That'd be amazing. Like if, if while the vicar's here, they, he started a rival podcast right underneath our noses. You could rent out your studio. But we've talked, actually. We've actually talked that, I think, in a way that, although I don't make the vicar be a part of a podcast... I do think it's it it helps you be able to talk in certain ways and to kind of kind of learn to get over yourself and say, Okay, I'm gonna say something and it's gonna be out there. Yeah. <laughs> and to uh to be able to be a little vulnerable sometimes. Cause I you know. But uh I think this is a good way in which to, you, you kinda learn to talk about these things in a different way. Am I wrong? No, you're right. And it was neat to have a different perspective than you or Berg sometimes, but to all talk it through. Mm -hmm. Like talking about Mary's perpetual virginity or something. (laughs) It's just, it's fun. Right. And and imagine that we should go back and listen. You should go back and listen to the first time we were on. And and you'll see if you can listen. Uh, Peter, if you want to let us know... Pop it in your editing here. Which episode was his first episode? Hey, Peter from the future here. Looks like his first episode was episode 125, titled Approaching Your Pastor. You can go back and listen and see see if you notice a difference. I'm pretty sure in the first episode I already mentioned dough urine. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, um, I know it's a, a short episode, but... Uh, uh, we got some things to do. So, um, any final, final comments? Oh, you know, thank you to the listener for putting up with, um, you know, another vicar on here. Um, thank you to you and Berg for helping me grow in that way here too, and especially thank you to you for being a great mentor and walking me through my vicarage year here. And and nothing would bring you joy like people. Uh, uh, rating and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcast, or you know, f- sending us feedback at feedback at clericalheirs.org, right? Or buying the merchant, <laughs> or yeah, or buying a a shirt. Yeah, or if they want to buy me a shirt, send it to the seminary. What size? Um, extra large. Extra large. Those guns. Yeah, yeah. You're a lot. You're a lot stronger when you came. That's for sure. Yeah. Feel good. 
recharged, ready to go back and hit it hard. All right. That brings us to the conclusion of our show. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Vicar Emeritus. And may your vicar be Emeritus. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter, at P for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.